morning. Oh, you brave people. Last week we began a limited uh, preaching series by introducing ourselves to an ECC rule of life as a way of following Jesus along the narrow way, through the narrow gate that Jesus describes at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Choosing to walk the narrow way and to enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, and when we do that, we find life. Abundant life, eternal life, a full life, now and in the world to come. Now, in comparing the narrow road that leads to life with the broad road that leads to destruction, Jesus is borrowing from the book of Proverbs and from uh, the way ancient Hebrew wisdom literature talked about these kind of things, the way of wisdom versus the way of folly. The invitation to the narrow way from last week's passage, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, is an invitation to a way of wisdom, a way to live wisely in the world in this life. We all face choices every day between the narrow way and the broad way, every single day, as individuals. Our ECC rule of life, then, is a corporate or communal narrow way. It is a path that can enable us, as a community of faith, to experience abundant life in Christ. It is a path that demands something of us. It asks for effort. It asks for intentionality. And it asks for commitment. Last week, I uh, likened this pathway to hiking the Appalachian Trail. I checked. You can say Appalachian or you can say Appalachian. I grew up saying Appalachian, but apparently, apparently the actual proper way is Appalachian, just in case somebody is bothered by that. <clears throat> I was. I likened it to the Appalachian Trail and the five components of our pathway to the white blazes that you find Uh, posted there to keep hikers on the trail. The Appalachian Trail is more than 2,190 miles long. Last week I mentioned Bill Van Alstyne hiking the Appalachian Trail, and guess where he was that Sunday? Hiking on the trail. The trail runs from northern Georgia all the way up to central Maine, and along its 2,190 miles there are white blazes painted on the trunks of the trees. They're about six inches tall, two inches wide. Once again, proving it to be true that you can just about Google anything and find an answer, I learned that there are an estimated 165,000 white blazes along the trail. That works out to be one about every 70 feet. And it seems to me that if you had a white blaze about every 70 feet, it would be hard to get lost. But then again, I've only hiked 50 feet of the whole thing, so what do I know? Our ECC rule of life only has five blazes. Once again, they are apprenticeship, worship, community, service, and generosity. Excuse me, we discovered in our life group the other night, if you just say those things all together in a row, it sounds like one of our blazes is community service. You may need community service, but that's not what this means. Two separate things. This week, we're just going to look at two of them, worship and community. Both of our primary passages that we just heard read for today have worship and community woven into them. So we're going to start with worship. First, what is it? Worship is an English word that originally meant to ascribe worth to something or someone. To ascribe worth. To worship God, then, is to ascribe or to attribute worth to God. It is to name or sing or praise the attributes, the character, and the nature of God. So, for example... 
Psalm 96, we heard part of this earlier. Verses uh, 7 and 8. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Now often, I think, we think, worship and singing in particular are about feeling or emotion. And that can certainly be a part of the the process, a part of our worship for those of us who are made that way and are emotionally healthy. But there is nothing here to suggest that if we don't feel anything, we aren't worshiping or aren't healthy. However, if we do feel something, happy, sad, anxious, fearful, peaceful, we can bring all of that into our worship, both public and private. It's all fair game. The Psalms teach us this. If you're not familiar with the Psalms, I suggest you just read one a day. They express every type of emotion you can possibly imagine you might ever feel across the whole spectrum. They give us space to rejoice and to celebrate. They give us space to lament. They give us space to voice our anger at God. Worship can contain all of it. If we feel it, we have the freedom to express it even or especially in worship. That's what a relationship is about. Worship, however, is something we choose to do whether we feel it or not. We worship God. We ascribe greatness to God. We ascribe glory and honor and strength to God, not because we always feel it, but because it's true. And God is worthy of our worship. And while it is also true that we can worship privately, out on our own, when we talk about worship as a part of our ECC rule of life, we are specifically referring to corporate worship. The other part, the more public, private part, will probably fit under apprenticeship. But when we talk about worship, we are specifically referring to our corporate worship. When we gather together as the people of God to ascribe to God glory and honor and strength and beauty and majesty and love and grace and on and on. Worship is the place in which God is glorified and we as the community of the faithful can be renewed, we can be comforted, we can be exhorted, we can be rebuked, we can be challenged, we can be healed, we can be empowered. Now the Hebrews 10 passage begins, the first part of it, verses 19 to 23, by affirming that because of what Jesus has done for us, we can draw near to God with confidence and boldness. God has made a way for us to know him to walk with him, and to worship him freely. Because of what Christ has done for us, it is our privilege to live in God's presence with confidence. Verse 23 reminds us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Then in verses 24 and 25 we read this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. They were not to give up meeting together as some were in the habit of doing. That's an important phrase. Right off the bat, we know two things. Meeting together is very important, and there were some people uh, to whom this letter was written that were consistently not doing that. Why were they in the habit of not meeting together for worship? The people to whom um, the book of Hebrews was written were facing imminent, an imminent threat of persecution. 
And in times of persecution, naming one's affiliation with Christ or with his people could be dangerous. It was safer not to gather together for worship. But the author exhorts them to do so anyway. They need to come together, he says. They need to worship as a community. When the author says that some are in the habit of not meeting together, the Greek word translated habit is the word ethos. Custom, manner, character, disposition, the way of things. It's just the way I am. Similar to the way we use the same word, ethos. We talk about the ethos of ECC or our denomination or the company you work for. The people to whom this instruction is given are people for whom it was their character, their disposition, their ethos not to come together to worship with sisters and brothers in Christ. And I want you to please hear me well. I don't think what I'm about to say is too strong a statement. But for those of us who know Christ, for those of us who know Christ and are able to come together to worship, Making it a habit of not doing so is disobedience. For those of us who know Christ and are able to come together to worship, making a habit of not doing so is disobedience. Why? Because this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus, and if we want to become more and more like Jesus, we need to do what Jesus did. And Jesus worshiped. Jesus had a community. We need to make worship, gather together, a priority. Please do not hear what I am not saying. I am not saying that if you miss church, you're in sin. I'm saying if it is your way, if it is your custom not to worship with the community, you are disobeying this instruction in Scripture. And to be clear, worshiping online counts. Worshiping online counts. Online worship is not the best possible option, all things being equal. But it counts. It's one of the blessings that came out of the pandemic. We had been talking about doing it for years, but then we were forced to do it. And I'm thankful that we were able then to offer an online option for those who could not come to worship during the pandemic and that we can still do so. For those who cannot join us because of health concerns, because of travel plans or other limitations, I don't know, bitter cold temperatures and ice, our online presence is likely not going away, ever. Whether you need our online service or you simply find it more convenient sometimes, we're glad that we can offer it as we can, and we do continue every single week to evaluate, to Look at what went well in the worship in the room and online and to criticize it every single week. And for some of us, online worship is the best possible option from time to time. For others of us, it may be the only option all the time. So it's not going anywhere. And if it was true for the first readers of Hebrews facing persecution, then it is even truer for you and me. We are not to give up worshiping together. When possible. Whether you worship in person or online is not only about showing up physically, it's about being present spiritually, mentally, and emotionally as well. 
When Kim and I are away and need to worship online with you, we try to engage in the whole service. We sit down, we sing along, we do not get up and wash the dishes, straighten the room up a little bit, we, we pray, when we pray, we take communion, we choose to show up mentally and spiritually and emotionally as well as physically. Participation in worship is about engaging in the acts of worship. It's about singing, or if you just don't like to sing, at least think about it. Listen, reflect, pray along with what everybody else is singing. It's about engaging with God's word and opening our lives, our hearts, and our minds in prayer and silence and confession of our sins. It's about celebrating who God is and what God has done for us. It's about giving thanks. It's about giving in the offering. It's about listening to the word of God that God might have for any of us, each of us, at any given time. So as we invite you to assess your involvement in worship, it will be about consistency both in presence and in participation. The second place along the trail that we want to look at this morning is community. Before we move on to the next passage, however, there's a component of community that takes place when we gather for worship each week as well. Do we arrive early enough to engage in conversation and community with one another? Do we stay afterward to do so? Do we only talk to the people we always talk to, or do we look for people who might be new or people that we don't get a chance to talk to very often? Another part of community, according to Hebrews 10.24, is about exhorting one another in faithfulness to the mission and our calling. Once again, Hebrews 10.24. there. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I need to be spurred on toward love and good deeds. So do you. We all do. Community is not just about fellowship over coffee and donuts, as wonderful and tasty and important as that is. It's also about sharing our lives with one another, serving one another, loving one another in practical ways. Kim and I worshiped with um, our daughter and son-in-law, a church they were attending in Tampa a few years ago when they lived there, Uh, and they did something in that service I had never seen before and I've never seen since, and uh, we have no plans to do it here, just so you know. A few minutes into the service, we'd sung and worshiped for a little while, and then maybe there were some announcements, and then they said to everybody, now, uh, going out, it's coffee time. Everybody got up, walked out of the sanctuary, into the lobby, grabbed a cup of coffee, talked for a few minutes, and then when they flashed lights, everybody came back in with their cups of coffee in hand, sat down, and continued worship. (laughs) Well, it was. I mean, it was weird, you know, but it was also very engaging. It was energizing. But community that is transformative goes even deeper than that. And we know this. Community is about building stronger relationships with one another, living according to what we refer to as the one another's in the New Testament. It's about sharing life with one another. I did not go through the New Testament and count all the times we were told to do things to and for and with one another. Now, once again, I Googled it. In your Bible app live event, I've linked an article from a church in Texas that came up with 50 one another's. I've seen someone say 59 or something, but we're going to go with 50. Let's just say 50. Here's a sampling of what you're going to find if you open that article and read it. This is just a sampling. Love one another. Honor one another. Greet one another. Welcome one another. Show hospitality to one another. Have fellowship with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Be at peace with one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. Comfort one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Instruct one another. Serve one another. Submit to one another. And the list goes on. 
We cannot obey any of those 50 commandments unless we are practicing community with one another. In other words, to one another, one another requires one another. To one another, one another requires one another. It requires that we share life together, that we engage in the practice of community. At the same time, it is also true that churches can cause tremendous amount of pain to one another. There are no doubt people in this room, people online, who fall into that category. Into the category of the company of people who have been wounded by the local church. And no doubt there are people among us who have caused such woundedness as well. The goal, of course, is that we would wound one another as little as possible. And that when we do wound someone or are wounded by someone, we would seek restoration, confess our sins, forgive one another. Or as our ECC Relational Covenant puts it, we will extend grace and forgiveness to one another. We will give one another the benefit of the doubt. The way we put it in our staff meetings is that we will have faith in one another and assume the best intentions and motivations whenever words or actions cause us pain. Nadia Boltz-Weber, a Lutheran pastor in Denver, Colorado, recalled the time when she was speaking to a group of newcomers to her congregation. I'm going to adapt her words slightly, and I'm going to speak to you, especially if you're a newcomer online or in in the room today. I want to apply them to ECC here. I'm just going to take... I had to shift a few things around, but basically her words that I'm adapting. This community will disappoint you. It's a matter of when, not if. We will let you down, or I will say something stupid and hurt your feelings. I invite you to decide if you will stick around after that happens. If you choose to leave, When we don't meet your expectations, you won't get to see how the grace of God can come in and fill the holes left by our community's failure. And that's just too beautiful and too real to miss. Welcome to ECC. We will disappoint you. Catholic priest and scholar Henri Nouwen writes of a spirituality of imperfection. A spirituality of imperfection. By this he meant that we are all, of course, imperfect. That's what it means to be human, after all. He believed that faith was about recognizing our limitations and our imperfections and learning to lean into God's grace to cover our sins, but also to grow. The spirituality of imperfection is characterized by humility, vulnerability, and authenticity. To be in community with one another is to be vulnerable and to be humble with one another. It is to authentically share our sins, our pains, our sorrows, our woundedness. And sometimes we, the church, hurt and disappoint one another. We hurt the very ones we're supposed to care for. If you have been hurt by the church in the past or this church, then I, as a representative of that church, of the church, apologize. On behalf of imperfect pastors like me, imperfect leaders, and imperfect churches everywhere, I ask for your forgiveness. And I challenge you, I exhort you, the next time that happens, when we disappoint you or hurt you, you will stick around and work together so that we may grow in the grace of God 
in spiritual maturity, in our commitment to one another, in unity, and in our ability to bear witness to the kingdom of God in the world. In Acts chapter 2, right after Peter has preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people have come to faith in Christ, Luke, the author of Acts, summarizes what happened with these earlier believers. Again, chapter 2, verse 42, Luke packs a lot into that one short verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Luke lists out four primary things to which those first believers were devoted. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship with one another. The breaking of bread, that likely meant both communion and just eating together in one another's homes. And to prayer, or more literally, the prayers, plural which likely means they use some previously composed or memorized prayers in their worship and community together, as well as spontaneous prayers. To speak of their devotion to these things is to speak of worship and their active, intentional, thoughtful participation in it. They were not just present, they were engaged. They were devoted to these acts of worship. So devoted, they met daily, according to verse 46. We just ask you for one or two times a week. You're welcome. To speak of fellowship, however, is to speak primarily of community. These early believers from the very start of the Christian church were devoted not only to God, but to one another. Again, verse 46 says they broke bread together in their homes and praised God with glad and sincere hearts. How do we practice community with one another at ECC? The most upfront and programmatic way we've been seeking uh, to build community together over the past year or so is through our ECC life groups. The portal for expressing interest in a life group is open. Currently, we have about 158 people in life groups, and we are open to forming new groups. Let us know uh, that you're interested in at least learning about this, and we will get in touch with you. We'll either help get things rolling or answer questions you might have. But there are other ways we can engage in community, even if we are not part of an official life group. The, the question is whether or not you have people in your life with whom you can share your life, care for one another, pray for one another, and carry one another's burdens. Do you have people in your life like that? Do you have those kinds of relationships? In Genesis 1, God creates the world, and the author tells us several times that God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good. And then in Genesis 2, we're told that God created the man, and then we read in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. To be alone is not good. The same is true for all of us. The gift of community with one another as followers of Jesus is one of the ways God solves this dilemma. Sometimes when I'm uh, counseling a couple before they get married, um, and I discern there is really no faith, no church involvement whatsoever there, I will encourage them to check out a church, if only for community, if only for surrounding themselves with people who will care for them as they launch their life together. Community matters. Worship and community. How much of a part of your life are these two markers in the path to transformation, these two blazes along the trail? How much are they a part of your life? Last week I mentioned the demonstration plot concept as a metaphor for church life. Farmers will sometimes uh, sow a plot of land with a particular variety of seed as a demonstration. It's, it's PR for that variety. 
the church, as a demonstration plot, then bears witness to life in God's kingdom for our communities. Another kind of demonstration plot is one set aside to train farmers in some technique or task of farming. This, too, is a way to look at the local church. We come together to learn how to live as citizens of God's kingdom. And as we do, as we become examples of community, if we have healthy community with one another, if we worship together and care for one another, we faithfully demonstrate and bear witness to God's work in the world. We see this clearly in uh, the closing verses uh, from Acts 2. Uh, we didn't have all of this read, but I, wa- I want to read it here. Uh, Acts 2, 43 to 48. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like the people of Israel before us, we are to be a people through whom God transforms the world. Yes, we as individuals, I am confident, are used by God in the world wherever you spend your daily lives. Absolutely. But perhaps even more so, it is through us as a community that God influences and transforms the world and adds to our numbers daily. When we come to the close of this preaching series, we're going to offer an assessment for you to take part in. To assess yourselves in each of these areas, worship, community, service, generosity, and apprenticeship. For now, I invite you to be in prayer on these things each week. Seek to listen to God's Spirit each week. Seek to celebrate where you're already growing and to notice and name those areas where you might most need to grow. Simply walk with us in this and hopefully we'll have a tool that will help us all to get a better understanding for you where you are where you need to maybe engage a little more and for we where we are as a congregation that we can better serve uh, the needs of our congregation would you pray with me as we close god we are imperfect people we are people who are trying to learn a, a better way to live in the world a way that follows you faithfully that honors your teaching a way, Lord God, that loves and cares for one another and our neighbors. Lord, help us to engage in worship and community more faithfully. Help us, Lord God, when we come to this place, when we come to this time, to give our all to you, to ascribe to you all the things that are true about you. Help us to see it, sense it, know it, maybe feel it and to give you the praise and the honor and glory that are due your name. Help us to love one another deeply, Lord, to be devoted to one another, to care for one another. Help us to uh, watch for those who aren't cared for as well. And if we have been hurt or wounded or disappointed in another church or in this church, Lord God, help us to forgive, help us to move forward, help us to work toward restoration. Lord, we know that you are at work here at ECC, and we pray that you would just continue that work in each of us as individuals and as households and as a community, that you would make of us, Lord, the kind of people who demonstrate the reality of your kingdom in our hearts and our lives and all our relationships. And Lord, I pray that you would indeed add to our numbers.
daily. In Jesus' name, amen.